Hello, friends. It's your old pal, Aria Hawani, back with another and the final edition, at least for now, of DC and Hawani. Yes, today is the final one, my friends. We got a lot to get to. UFC 263, of course, and we'll put a bow on this little endeavor that DC and I have been doing for the past year plus, so stay tuned for that. But of course, before I get to that, a few things I do want to tell you about. NBA playoffs, full swing. You know by now, the man to get all the news, notes, nuggets, and bombs from is the great Adrian Wojnarowski. Check out the Woj Pod wherever you get your podcast. Download and follow the Woj Pod wherever you get your podcast. It's a tremendous listen. Also, as you know, the Ultimate Fighter is back. Alex Volkanovsky, Brian Ortega, they are coaching men's bantamweights and middleweights. Every Tuesday, there's a new episode on ESPN Plus, the platform that Chell and I built. So stream them only on ESPN Plus and sign up now over at ESPNPlus.com slash UFC. All right, on to today's show. And as always, listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. Making their way to the microphone. It's Daniel Cormier and Ariel Helwani. Back in your life on this Monday, June 14th, 2021. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new edition of DC and Helwani. That's DC, Daniel Cormier, <laughs> and I'm Helwani, Ariel Helwani. DC, my man. Last show, you can't even show up to the set. Where are you these days? <laughs> you know what, man? I'm in Disneyland. Uh, vacation time. But you know what, Ariel? I figured it started at my house. My kids running around. The noise. It wasn't in some studio. It was just us with a screen in front of us chit-chatting. And I felt like it was... With it, like, what is it? Apropos, those words you like to use, it was yes. apropos, yes. something like that, that, that it ends in the way that it began, you know, so um, Disneyland for the vacation, but also because, hey, why not end it in the way that we started? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, maybe a subtle way for you to remind me that you will continue to get the Disney perks and I won't as tomorrow <laughs> is my official last day at ESPN. I thought we would see the familiar light switch behind you that we got to see, uh, you know, your kitchen. I was hoping to hear some birds chirping and whatnot, but I agree with you. It is very reminiscent of how we started DC. And of course, I'd be remiss if I don't remind everyone that this, in fact, is our last show, at least for now together. DC and Hawani is coming to an end, tomorrow being my uh, last day at ESPN. A lot of people have been asking me what I'm doing next, DC. Unfortunately, I'm not in the position to announce, but I can assure you all, I will let you all know, and hopefully it will be as far away as possible from you and Chael Sonnen. Because <laughs> we've been dragging you down for far too long. I mean, for three years, <laughs> we have drugged you in the mud. And finally, you get to go and use words like, like uh, what are some of these words you've used on me over the past year that I just don't understand? When your finger goes up, just like that, when your little smart finger goes up and, and your pen, you got your pen or your pencil now, and you're like, well, I would be remiss if I did this. I would be this. Man, this. Now you can go use your big fancy words at some other network by yourself and not try to drag me and Chael's vocabulary through the mud. So guess what? We're better off without you, you know? 
there's there there comes a point, right? Like it's like dealing with stuff. You're sad. Then you try to find a reason around it. You wonder what happened. What did you do wrong? And then ultimately you go, you know what? Screw this guy. He's leaving me. You know, my heart was broken for a long time, but you walked out the door. And it just uh, is no more tears, Ariel. Like Mary J. Blige once said, there's just no more tears. You know, I'm not going to sit around crying anymore. You know, waiting to exhale has ended. Now I'm moving on. And what are the chances today, of all (laughs) days, being National Pop Goes the Weasel Day? Pop Goes the Weasel, (laughs) Pop Goes DC and Hawani. This is our swan song. And what a swan song it shall be because... Wow, we got a lot to talk about, Daniel Cormier. I don't know if you know this, but UFC 263 was this past Saturday. You were nowhere to be found. And so let's talk about the big news off the bat. <laughs> How did the Gilroy wrestling team do? Give it to us right now. Give us the breakdown. <laughs> How the boys do. Let's hear it. The Gilroy wrestling Mustangs did their thing, man. We went out to Fresno in the uh, California State Invitational. You know, we had to replace the state tournament because it wasn't getting sanctioned. And the Gilroy Mustangs won the tournament. It is the first state championship as a team of any kind that Gilroy's ever had. We had two state champions and so many tremendous performances. I want to give a big congratulations to the people that ran the tournament. Clovis Wrestling, uh, Tom Tomazak, uh, Gabe Schaefer. They did a great job of giving these kids an opportunity to compete for something that mattered. But yes, Ariel, we got the job done. And I'm so proud of my kids. Uh, Ken Reporter who's going to Indiana University next year as a state champion finally. And Cody Merrill, who's a freshman, is a state champion also. Well, congratulations to Coach Deron Wynn on this great accomplishment. I know he's poured so much into the team, and he's done so much for those kids. Great singlets, by the way. I don't know who poured money into that whole thing, but the rebranding of the team looks nothing like the squad I saw about two years ago. So kudos to you guys. Well, well, no, wait. Well, here's the problem, though. It's a freestyle singlet, right? It's not the official Gilroy High School singlet. It's oh. a freestyle singlet. So you just have to have 30% blue or 30% red. So that's why we kind of shifted it up a little bit. They look nice. Okay. I would love to ask a follow-up as to why it has to be 30% blue or red. But alas, we're at a time. Tight ship here, DC. So let's talk about UFC <laughs> yes. 263. By the way, it was so great for Please. me, selfishly. I actually got to interact with you during the, you know, usually you're out with your other family doing your other things on the official broadcast. This time you were just like a lowly fan like me at home in your, you know, in your sweatpants. It was nice to watch with you, I must say. But what was it like for you watching a big event and being at home, not being able to partake in the broadcast? You know what? It was, it was fun. It was very fun. It's been a minute since I've not done a pay-per-view. But you know what, Ariel? I learned something on Saturday night and you were quick to remind me is we really don't know as much as we think we know because I actually tried to pick the fight because I said that I could because I didn't have any, like, restrictions on me. And I was wrong in every single one. How do, how do you get them all wrong? Wow. Like, I mean, I was wrong start to finish. Uh, it, was, it was great, but it was great to be able to just kind of let your hair down or, you know, the hair that I got right now. I know I'm looking bad, but I've been going through a breakup. Uh, let my hair down and, uh, and just watch the fights. It was, it was great. Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I mean, you say that you didn't pick Marvin Vittori to beat Israel Adesanya. With all due respect to the Italian dream, you didn't pick that one, right? You thought Marvin oh, well, Vittori was going to beat Israel? I mean, 
though, though, I didn't pick that one. That's the one that I kind of strayed away from. Okay, I thought right. Izzy was going to win, but the other one, boy, I was, right. I had a hard time picking against Figueredo, and I had a hard time believing that the Diaz fight would end in the way that it did uh, because of the style that Edwards mm-hmm. has. But alas, Nate proves me wrong again, and uh, the assassin baby just did his thing. Okay, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's give the main eventers their proper due. So Israel Adesanya returns from the loss to Jan Bachovic. Looks very good, I thought, against Marvin Vittori. This time, no controversy. Uh, he had a little fun with Marvin at the end there before they announced the judges' scorecards. Marvin putting his hand up. I thought it was 50-45 to 45 pretty clearly. Izzy didn't get the finish. But I actually want to ask you, DC, I felt that Izzy was enjoying, I mean, I'm not going to say he was beating him up to the point where, you know, Marvin had to go to the hospital or anything like that, but I actually felt like he wanted to prolong this, that he wanted to prove a point that he was that much better than Marvin. We even saw, I think, at the end of the fourth or third, he uh, he threw that impressive, significant strike to the buttocks of Marvin Vittori. Did you feel like <laughs> he didn't go to that extra gear to finish Marvin because he was actually enjoying outclassing him? I, I don't believe that he would make it last any longer but as the fight was going on and Marvin's tough right Marvin's a tough guy that's not going to give up he enjoyed Marvin not being able to get anything going right for as hard as he was trying wasn't able to take him down wasn't able to hit him wasn't able to set any traps to get any momentum going in the right direction I believe that Izzy enjoyed that but if Izzy could have performed in the way that he did against Paulo Costa and ended the night early. Trust me, he would have done that. He would have loved to do that. But this was as good as it gets under the circumstances because Vittori's tough. Vittori's not going anywhere. Vittori's big. He's durable. So Izzy just kind of outclassed him. It did not look competitive. And then, you know, afterwards, Izzy said something like Marvin thought he won. There's no way, right? Like, he was joking, right? Was he joking or did Marvin really think he won the fight when he went to the center? I mean, if he was listening to his coaches and he has an all-star team by his side, Rafael Cordero leading the pack, they were telling him that he wasn't winning. So unless, you know, he was just trying to convince himself or throwing out, you know, the positive vibes by lifting his hand, no one around him, to their credit, was telling him that he was winning the fight. If you had to give Izzy a grade... What kind of grade would you give him for that performance? Uh, I'd probably give him an A. You know why? Because hmm. he got taken down once, I believe. Um, he completely outclassed him on the feet. He really took it to him. Gave his opponent nothing. Sometimes what's expected is the most difficult thing to do. Right? It was expected that Israel Asanya was going to win this fight. It was expected that he would win in dominant fashion. Sometimes that is the hardest thing. And he went out there and completely outmanned a very, very talented fighter. Vittori had no chance. Um, it didn't seem like anything outside of the submission attempt was going to allow for him to win the fight. And I'm telling you, even the submission defense that Izzy showed in that moment, you could almost see the win get taken out of Marvin's sails. Hmm. Yeah, there was a great moment there uh, mid-fight where Marvin got Izzy's back and Izzy was able to escape relatively quickly. Afterwards, he said he saw his soul leave his body after that moment. And Izzy never really seemed to be in trouble. You know, I had so many flashbacks of a young 
Michael Bisping when I was watching Marvin all week long. Not just the hairstyle, which looks a lot like the old days, Michael Bisping, you know, the top three, Michael Bisping, the shaved head, but just his demeanor, how fired up he was getting. I felt like he was too emotional going to the fight. I felt like at the press conference, he was getting a little too fired up. You got to kind of calm down in the days leading up to the fight. Do you feel like he could have done anything differently to win that fight? Or is this just a matter of Izzy being the better fighter? They fight 10 times. He's winning 10 out of 10. He's hard. It's hard. It's hard to really gauge how much energy you're giving to those type of situations when you're in your first championship fight. You know, as time goes on, yeah. as the champion, you kind of settle into that role. But as a challenger, the first time, you're giving all the energy and everything that you're doing because you're so excited to be there, right? It's so, uh, it's such a big moment in your career. It's something you've dreamt about for so long. It's something you've wanted for so long that when you think about it, and you're three days from the fight, two days from the fight, you're giving 100% to all of it. And I believe that's what happened to Marvin. There was nothing he could have done differently. He's an emotional guy. We've known Marvin for a while now, right? We've seen him at the top of the sport. And this is kind of how he operates. But ultimately, emotions aren't going to get you wins against guys like Israel Adesanya. You have to piece together fights in order to beat him. And I'm not certain Marvin has the type of style to do that. Look, watching Jan Blachowicz take Izzy down and control him, seems to be the path to victory. What people cannot forget is that over the course of four rounds prior, Jan Bohovic was able to stand with Izzy. And not only stand with Izzy, put him on his back foot, slow him down, outstrike Israel Adesanya. So it's not just a matter of taking him down. You got to do all that other stuff in the beginning in order to give yourself, give yourself a chance to get to that point where takedowns will matter and ultimately win you the fight. I will also add despite what we saw in the Jan fight, Izzy's takedown defense and his wrestling has improved dramatically, in my opinion. And also, I would say that despite the fact that he was able to be taken down in the latter portions of that fight, and to your point, Jan Bohovic outstruck him, there are weight classes for a reason. Just ask Floyd Mayweather, who learned about that against Logan Paul and that grueling fight that they had two weekends ago in Florida. There are weight classes for a reason. So here's Izzy returning to 185 as natural weight class. And, you know, the night before in Bellator, we saw Douglas Lima return back to 170 and he got thoroughly outclassed. I thought that Izzy was a lock to win this fight, but there was a part of me, historically, we see guys who come back down to their natural weight class, they stumble in their return. There was no stumbling. He looked fantastic. And afterwards, he said, all right, Robert, we're doing it again. My arch nemesis. Love this fight. Thankfully, Robert's going to get the fight. Dana White saying afterwards, DC, that Izzy wants to return in October. That might be a little soon just given the calendar, but we'll see. And also Robert's timeline. But I would love to see that fight again because, of course, Whitaker has looked incredible since they fought back in October of 2019. Do you feel like this fight, without giving too much away, do you feel like this fight goes any differently than the first fight? Or do you think that now Whitaker has experienced Izzy once? He's gone on a roll. He's been some tough guys. This fight is going to look dramatically different than the first fight. I think it's going to look different because every time people fight Israel, they look at the fight prior and believe that something's been figured out. If you go back into the fight with Robert Whitaker the first time, Ariel, you remember Gaslam had a lot of success just pressuring Israel at Asanya. So Robert Whitaker tried to do the same thing. But guess what? 
is he improves every single time out there. So when Rob pressured him, he just picked him apart and he ultimately finished him. Vittori thought he could do what Yamahovich did. He got picked apart because Israel improved. Whitaker has improved also. I think he will be much more patient. And I think because of that, it will be a much, much more competitive fight. This is the fight though. This is by far the fight that should be happening in the middleweight division. It probably should have happened already. Robert Whitaker versus Israel Adesanya, or sorry, the champ Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whitaker is the best fight we can make right now at 185. Yeah, uh, Izzy was once again in fine form. He is a star. He is one of the biggest stars in the sport. Uh, loved the tribute to his fallen friend and, and teammate. Loved the tribute to The Rock as he was walking out. I don't know oh. if you saw that. He's playing The, the Rock. Mask. Did you see that? The mask. Did you see that? You, the mask yeah, as well. Did you see, the mask? You see after the, the fight? The mask was tremendous. Yeah, the mask was tremendous. Like everything about the guy. The guy just knows how to how to thrive in the moment when the spotlight is on him, when everyone's talking about him, when everyone wants to see how he'll respond from the last fight. And the, the stuff that he says about losses and how it doesn't define you, it's a joy to watch Israel Adesanya right now in his prime. It's insane. But guess what, though? Israel does things to these guys, Ariel, to try to not leave them the same. Him grabbing Marvin by the ass, like, that's crazy. Him grabbing and reaching, squeezing his butt, doing what he did to Paulo Costa. He tries to ruin these dudes. He tries to ruin these dudes to where when they're done with him, they're never the same. And look at the mental toll that the loss has taken on poor Paulo Costa. I mean, I don't like this. I don't want to rag on Paulo Costa, but come on, man. And now, I mean, I don't want to say nothing about, about Marvin Vittori because then he's going to try to attack you again. Like, well, I mean, come on, Ariel. This is crazy, man. Izzy tries to ruin guys. He is unbelievable. The the gamesmanship, the head games, all that stuff and more. Uh, very entertaining. Very entertaining to watch. All right, so that was the main event. Izzy wins, defeats his uh, his foe, Marvitori. Let's go to the Komei now. What a moment, DC. A true feel-good moment. You got these two guys who had this fight of the year contender. If not for Zhang Weili and Yuan Yan Jacek in March of last year, they are the, the fight of the year. Figueredo, in many people's eyes, including myself, the fighter of the year. They meet again six months later. Moreno, the baby face. Arizona loves the guy. Potential to be the first Mexican-born champion in UFC history. And the fight almost never happened because Figueredo comes in with 40 seconds left on Friday morning to weigh in. <laughs> and that, to me, was a warning sign that this isn't going to go well. And then, of course, it did not go well. He loses via rear naked choke to Brandon Moreno. There is a Mexican-born champion. The UFC has been searching for the past 10, 11 years for a Mexican-born champion. And much respect to your guy, Cain Velasquez, but Mexican-American. This man born in Mexico, proud resident of Tijuana, Mexico. And most importantly, D.C., Incredible personality, so likable, fun style, what a story, cut from the UFC three years ago, uh, an afterthought on tough, works his way back, it is an avid Lego builder and loves Funko dolls. Like the, the guy's like just kind of like a geeky, smiley, happy-go-lucky character, and he does that to one of the best fighters to the fighter of the year last year. I mean, this is one of the true feel-good moments that we've seen in the UFC as of late. Absolutely. You know, the first time I saw him fight, I said, hey, this kid kind of looks like McLovin from uh, that Superbad. <laughs> and it took off, yeah. right? And I was like, but he can fight. And then he was just always the nicest kid. And every time I would see him at the Apex, right, since the last fight, he was always so certain that he would beat Davis and Figueredo. 
So every time I would see him, I'd go, hey, champ, how's it going? Are you going to win the belt? He's like, oh, no problem, DC. I promise you, I got this one. I'm going to win, I promise you. And so I'm like, I'm like okay, he's very confident. And then the fight starts, and he's going forward, and his jab looks tremendous. His boxing looks tremendous. Look, you knew that with the culture of boxing down in Mexico, him living there in Tijuana, Tijuana, sorry, Eric Morales is from Tijuana. Those guys train and they learn at such a young age, and you knew he could box. But to take Figueroa down, submit him in the way that he did, unbelievable. And then the post-fight presser, I mean, the way the crowd was popping for every word that he said, then he speaks Spanish. He just, it seemed like he hit every single mark that you needed in order to propel yourself to the very next level. And we've seen this in boxing area. We've seen a Mexican guy with a championship become a global superstar. And I believe that that can happen for Brandon Moreno. It was fantastic. So huge for the UFC. Like I said, they've been looking for this guy for a very long time. And who would have thought it was him, right? Like we thought maybe Yair Rodriguez, Alexa Grasso. It's this guy who was an afterthought. I had the pleasure of going to a few of those UFC Mexico events. I know you were at a couple as well. Those are some of my favorite events to ever attend. The crowd there is great. The arena there is great. Such a shame that his next fight can't be there. Maybe the world, you know, speeds up and, and they could go there sooner rather than later. But could you imagine a Brandon Moreno card, you know, where he's the headliner in Mexico City or anywhere in Mexico? It would be truly something Man. special and something that he deserves and the UFC deserves as well. And so, DC, I'm, I'm curious, though, because, like, flyweight is still somewhat in flux. It still blows my mind that they wanted to get rid of this division. I mean, like, wow, what, what a disaster <laughs> that would have been. Look at the moments that they would have missed out on had they gotten rid of that division when they wanted to with Cejudo and Figueredo and now Brandon Moreno. Do you run it back for a third time right away between these two guys? Because there isn't a clear-cut number one contender at flyweight. Or do you let them go their separate ways, maybe one, one each, like get, get a victory each if they can, and then you meet for the trilogy to make it bigger? I think that they run it back because of the history between the two. The only guy that could potentially get a title fight is Askarov because he fought Moreno mm-hmm. to a draw, I believe, and it was a very close, fun fight. But when you have what Figueredo and Moreno have had, and you know how close it was the first time, and then you see Davidson struggle so hard, so mightily to make the weight, and then get beat the way that he did. What if he does it the right way this time? Anytime there's questions in regards to fights, that's your friend as an organization. There are still questions, right? Like, was Davidson's weight the issue? Why did he fight so differently? Why was he so reserved? Why was he not the ball of fire that we're accustomed to? Hell, even Dana White said it. He goes, I thought it would have been very difficult for Brandon Moreno to win the fight. Well, not only did he win the fight, He went out and dominated the fight. This was not competitive, but I do believe a third match can be warranted. But if they decide to give it to Askarov, I think that the history that they have will make it okay. Even though people may say, you know what, we don't know this guy as much, but they have that draw that makes it interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if they do the trilogy right away. I would advise against it. Let them each get a fight under their belt, and hopefully they both win for the sake of the rivalry, and they get to meet again. It's tricky, though, because you talk about a guy like Askarov. Like, he is no slouch. He can easily win that fight, and, and now the whole thing is ruined. I do wonder, though, if Figueredo will test the waters at 135. This is problematic. 
he is cutting a lot of weight and he looks to be very dehydrated and very frail when he steps on the scale. Again, 40 seconds remaining, he stepped on the scale on Friday. So it'll be interesting to see what they push for. But honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they run it back just because, I mean, Figueroa is just so much more well-known now than than you know, an Askarov or anyone else in the upper echelon of the, uh, of the flyweight division. Those scenes in Mexico City and at the gym and all that stuff, like this is the stuff that we love. Like it's just amazing to see the, the explosion of the sport. Like you saw Kamar Usman back home in Nigeria. Like yeah. I feel like in the last year or so, we've really seen a change in what these victories for fighters outside of America mean for their communities. And it really is a testament to the sport's growth. And it's really cool to see for like people like us that have watched it and been a part of the sport to see things like them being just like crowded around and, and showered with praise. Uh, so happy for Moreno. What a great guy. No one says a bad thing about him. It was, it, and I feel for Figueredo, but just a beautiful, I mean, look at that, a mural. I mean, look at that, a mural painted <laughs> of him. A day later, DC, how do they do that? <laughs> They went, they did this thing overnight. But look, I was in Mexico City with Kane. And the love that Brandon Moreno is going to get is going to be very reminiscent of what we saw for Charles Oliveira. If not bigger and badder. Kane was a Mexican-American. He was born in America. Even though it's Yuma, Arizona, and you could walk to Mex across the border to Mexico. He got swarmed everywhere. For this kid that lives there, that trains there. He's going to be a star like we haven't seen for a long time. But now it's like, hey, the champions from when, when Nganu won his belt, swarm. Usman goes back to Nigeria. Crazy. We saw what happened for Oliveira. Now Figueredo. Americans, Americans, we don't have many champions now. When these guys win titles, we have to applaud them and raise them up as, as these other countries are doing because this is the absolute toughest sport in the world. And if you can become a champion in mixed martial arts, you should be applauded. And Ariel, even our friends up north, the great Canadians, they unveiled this beautiful statue of George St. Pierre. I mean, it is, it is yes. these guys are, are fighting in, in the most dangerous, daunting sport in the world. Hold them up high, Americans. I know we love basketball and football, but you got to applaud these gentlemen for what they do inside that octagon. I mean, you pick up a big win over Stipe Miocic, you're like, you know, you get a little sign on your door, congratulations, you get a king cake, maybe if you're lucky, at your doorstep. And that's it. Like, can we show some love for these Americans? For God's sakes, what's wrong with you guys? A little passion, a little patriotism. It goes a long way. In any event. In any event, Absolutely. DC, we have to take Absolutely. a quick time out here and tell everyone about our good friends over at Manscaped. And I have a good feeling that uh, our sponsors this week are gonna come through and give you what you want, if you know what I'm saying. Are you looking for the perfect Father's Day gift? Happy early Father's Day to you, my man. This important PSA is brought to you by our good friends over at Manscaped.com. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the United States and Canada. I have used it. It is good. I, I use it to trim my beard, I think. I don't know. It's telling me to say that. I actually don't have it yet, but I look forward to using it. The craftsmanship and details on the 4.0 are next level. I mean, why did they say that? They didn't even ask me if I've used it yet. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code Ariel. Ah. 
A-R-I-E-L over at manscaped.com. I'm embarrassed. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Ariel, A-R-I-E-L at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Please use the code Ariel. (laughs) It's crazy because even on his way out, even on his way out, he sticks his nose up in the air. He used the code Ariel. I mean, use the code Ariel, A-I-R-L, whatever name. However you spell your name. This dude, even on the way out, you stick your nose up in the air and you shrug your shoulders. You do your little million follower dance. I mean, look at there it is. I mean, you just do it all, even as you pull the curtain. I mean, come on, Ariel. Come on, Ariel. Oh, man. Let's talk about Nathan Diaz and Leon Edwards. I mean, holy smokes. Here's poor Leon Edwards. Great performance. 24 minutes. Cuts him up on the side of the head. Cuts him up above the eye. I mean, it was not in doubt. And then all of a sudden, with 60 seconds left, Diaz hits him with a left, points at him, mocks him. And then almost, it seemed like he was maybe a few more seconds uh, away from potentially stopping him. He ran out of time, but he certainly wobbled Leon Edwards. Leon wins that fight easily. I mean, you want to give the last one to Diaz? Fine. 49-46. Easily wins the fight. And yet what happens? (laughs) Nate's the bigger star. Nathan, excuse me, is the bigger star. He gets the pop. He gets the ovation. He shows up to the press conference like the winner. Everyone's talking about what's next for him. How did this happen? How could this? Only to Leon Edwards. How is this possible for Leon Edwards? My heart goes out to the guy. Yes. Only to Leon Edwards. I mean, from poking below Muhammad in the eye to now, uh, this happening. He was absolutely cruising Ariel. He was doing everything he wanted. He was outclassing Nathan Diaz. The jab was working. The right hands were working. He was taking him down, controlling him in the grappling. This dude was absolutely cruising. And then Nathan hits him with the slap right hand, left one down the middle. We've seen him land that, right? We saw him hit the same one against Connor. And then he pointed at Connor, just like he pointed at, at Leon. I mean, this dude was doing his thing. And now there are questions. And I tweeted something right after I go, the story is going to be Nathan Diaz in that moment, right? Because we as fans of the sport, we live for the moment. We live for the loud, the ovation. We live for those times when we come out of our seat. That's exactly what I did. Ariel, I was in the kitchen and I walked into the kitchen or into a different room. And all of a sudden I just heard my TV going crazy. So I run back into the living room and I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. So now I'm leaning over the front of my couch because I cannot believe what's happening. Those are the things that allow for Nathan Diaz to lose fights and still stay exactly where he is. I I thought that he was in over his head. I thought, why fight a guy like Leon Edwards when you're just coming back? But he he lost Saturday night in terms of his record. But the only person that left that arena with a win... uh, was Diaz because now people are going to respect him even more. And that's so sad for Leon because the guy really should be looking at a title fight right now. Look, in a way, it was a win-win. Leon Edwards won the fight. Nathan Diaz won the night. Leon Edwards gets the W. He gets to remain in the title chase. He probably, or at least I think he should, fight for the belt next. But I thought if he would have stopped, Nathan Diaz early, like, you know, TKO in the first round, he could have potentially leapfrogged Colby Covington. The way in which this fight ended, there's no chance he's leapfrogging Colby Covington. And and Diaz is able to walk around in his own special, unique Diaz way 
and claimed victory and claimed that if this was, you know, a street fight, he would have won because he was the last man standing. And in a nutshell, like over time, people will look at Diaz's record and be like, wait a second, the guy with 13, 14 losses, that guy was an icon, a superstar, dare I say, a needle mover. And that right there, that in a nutshell, those 60 seconds are why Nathan Diaz is the legend that he is. Because no matter what, no matter the circumstances, no matter the cut, the blood, all that stuff, no matter the fact that he was losing 24 minutes of that fight, he is able to win people over like that. Can we go back? I mean, can we go back? Listen, for Nathan Diaz to have the performance that he fought against Leon Edwards, for Leon Edwards to fight the way that he did, for all the interactions on social media... For the fight, come on, put Ariel's face on the screen right now. I need to see him as I ask this question. When they're going through the tweets, they picked Deron's tweet. I mean, for all the interactions. I mean, come on. Tweets, I mean, I mean, are we scraping the bottom of the barrel? I mean, come on, Ariel. We go all the way and get a Deron. DC. There's there so many people. I can't make. I can't. My tweets can't get on the official broadcast or my own <laughs> broadcast. For God's sakes. I mean, I golly. Mean, we are. For all the interactions, we on a Deron win tweet. Wow, Deron win. Well, you made it, my guy. That's all. That's all. But no, listen. Leon Edwards should still remain in the title hunt. He has now won nine in a row. Or he has won nine fights. He hasn't lost in ten because of the, the, the no contest. He's as good as they get. But after watching that, right? After watching him get hurt by Nate Diaz in the way that he did, that's the first time that it gives me pause for him versus Kamaru Usman. It makes me think that maybe this fight between him and Usman isn't as even as I thought, right? Because I thought the first time Usman had to keep taking him down because the striking was such a big uh, disadvantage for him. But with the power Usman has now and the, 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 the improvements to his striking, he hits harder than Nathan. Leon Edwards was on skates at the end of that fight. And mm. uh, he's got to be very careful, man. It's a, you know, I don't know what happens between Usman and Covington. That's a very close fight, very competitive fight. But um, if anyone can get it done, it's Covington. But nobody's really, it doesn't feel like anybody's really messing with Kamar Usman right now. No, he's on a different level. Uh, that tweet was great that they just showed. I love elder statesman Nathan Diaz, who's offering advice to the fighters who are coming up. Is that Luna in the house? Who's that? Yeah, Luna's the crew. Donut? Selena, Daniel, Mark. Hey, they just brought me a beignet. I mean, the kids just brought me a beignet. They hooked I me up. Mean, Look at that. Man. Hey, this is, hey Ariel. This Look is vacation that. DC. Vacation DC. Baby, let's go. This is vacation DC. Lil Dan, man. Jam, Marquita. I ain't got no beignets. Look at this you. Right here. All right, by no the way, are you Disneyland? Oh, what? And a smoothie? What? And I got, I'm leaving. I got nothing. I'm in a spare bedroom in a cold climate. I mean, where? Are you in California hey. or Florida? Where are you? Oh, I'm in California. I'm in California. It's beautiful. Hey, I mean, come on. Where's Jacqueline? Where's Jacqueline Stein Helwani? I mean, where, where's nothing. Oliver? Where are the kids? I mean, dad, bring dad. No one cares. DC and Helwani's ending. I mean, nothing. this is, this was us. This was an idea that you and I came up with, and we convinced them to do it. I mean, show some love for us, guys. I mean, don't take that for granted. You know, that's what I'm talking about. But, um, yes, Disney mm -hmm. in California. I'm at the Grand California Hotel, and it's uh, it's it's oh. uh, this melts my heart. The kids bringing me that. 
I mean, it's a beautiful thing. You're a lucky man. Again, happy early Father's Day to you. Let's get back to the fights if we can. And uh, stay on topic here, DC. Uh, Nathan Diaz. When have we ever? When have we ever? When have we ever? I think that's what's made us so good. That's what has made us so phenomenal. When have we ever stayed on topic? I mean, listen. No, that was the beauty of the show in the early days. She was never never supposed to be on the show. The little girl that beat you up. She wasn't supposed to be here. Dahlia. Wait, Dahlia, Dahlia, wasn't, Dahlia wasn't supposed to be on the show. Fake Helvani. Fake Helvani. I mean, Helvani. These people weren't supposed to be on the show. Yeah, Helvani. Like, I mean, come on, man. We'll get on topic. But this is what made us us. This is us, baby. This is us. We go off a little bit. I'm going to miss us. This is I'm the way we were. Us. I'm going to miss us. Uh, don't the make me cry we here now, DC. I mean, don't do this to me. Don't do That's this to me. I'm trying to just stay on topic. Hey, you're like, hey, you're, <laughs> you like to cry. I've seen you cry a few times. I do like to cry. Hey, I've cried. You've cried. Like, we both cried separately. Can we cry together? I mean, can we cry together? Are we going to cry <laughs> together before this thing ends? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, Nathan Diaz, Conor McGregor, if he loses to Dustin Poirier. Is that the fight to make now? Yeah. I mean, if he loses... I feel like I the mean, fight's even bigger now, right? He, the fight's even bigger. I, even if Conor wins, I, I think he might even take that fight. I feel like the fight's bigger. I think Diaz is a bigger star today than he was back then. I mean, the dude yeah. just... I mean, all week, the, the reactions he got compared to everyone else was crazy. Ariel, he's smoking right on stage the whole week. Dude's just out there smoking the whole week. You can see him rolling up <laughs> underneath the table at the post-fight press conference. Gives an invite, everybody open to come to his after party. I mean, it did. There was the, I don't know who asked him this, but he goes, the guy goes, at the end of the fight, did you think that it was? They go, that was a wrap. <laughs> like, in a real street fight, that was a wrap. They're like, what do you mean it was a wrap? The guy was still there. It wasn't a wrap. But it's like people, they just. They, they cling on to this. And I actually, I, I like it. I think it's funny. But come on, man. Let's talk about Leon Edwards. The dude actually won the fight. Let's give him a little bit more yeah, love. Could we please give Rocky a little more love? No, listen. I, mean, I want to give, give him love. It's just crazy. It's crazy how even in victory, somehow he doesn't get the attention that he deserves. Also crazy, if this fight is a normal three-round fight, we're not talking about any of this. He wins convincingly three rounds to none. 30 to 27. All right, so here's the thing. If you're Leon Edwards, let's say Usman and, and Covington fight, I don't know, August, September, October, I don't know. I mean, as of right now, the plan was for Ngannou Lewis to fight in early, early August. That might not be the case anymore from what I'm hearing. That's the latest. But we'll see if it all, you know, is able to work out. Maybe they go with back to Usman to fight again against Covington. All I'm saying is it looks like they're going to make that fight. Do you wait for the winner at this point because you've waited so long or... Is this the time to do the Masvidal fight? Or have you surpassed Masvidal? Because oh. I feel like that fight is still there for him and actually has a lot of heat behind it. I forgot about the Masvidal fight. I mean, that would be the only fight that I would take if I'm Leon Edwards. That'd be the only fight I would even consider would be the Masvidal fight. Because hmm. imagine Leon Edwards putting Nathan Diaz and Jorge Masvidal behind each other and on his way to a championship fight. Now... I believe people start to pay more attention, right? Because he's on the big stage two times in a row before he goes into that title fight. But if it ain't Masvidal, I'm not fighting anybody. I'm waiting for the title fight. Yeah. Heck, 
I may even weigh in with the guys. I may even be on standby for Covington and Usman to ensure that if anything happens, I'm ready to step in against either one of them. Because if Usman, say Usman gets hurt and can't fight, go fight Kobe Covington and be sure that the title fight is yours whenever you, whenever Usman returns. Because it's all about big moments. Like I said earlier, big spots. These types of fights give Leon the spots and the moments that he needs in order to look more viable to the general public as he goes into a fight with Usman. Well, one guy who because wants didn't to you fight feel Nathan like, because, Diaz is Because Dave. didn't you feel like Saturday, I'm sorry, but didn't you feel like Saturday, Joe and them were kind of almost explaining how good Leon Edwards was almost the entire fight, right? Because it's almost like the, the people that would be watching him compete against Nate Diaz haven't really seen him. They don't know who he is and how good he is. So it felt like Joe and Paul spent the vast majority of the fight talking about how good Leon Edwards actually was. And I think a couple more of those big fights, they won't have to do that no more. People will know. Wait a second. Did DC just break the fourth wall and take a shot at his broadcast partners? Because that's what it seemed like to me. I mean, wow. No, no. Breaking that's news, not a shot. DC. That's not a shot. That's not... That's not a shot. I'm saying that they were trying to inform people because Leon was on a bigger stage, right? Leon's on a stage that, that a lot of these people I had know. never seen biggest on Biggest stage of his career. So they were kind of, biggest yeah, stage of they his were career. trying to tell them, listen, for all the people that are tuned in to see Nate Diaz, this guy's better. This guy is the one that's supposed to win the fight. And it felt like they were doing a good yeah. job of doing that. So Ariel, don't go doing the old Ariel thing. This is why, one, I'll never hug you. And this is why everybody wants to beat you up. I mean, I've been protecting you for a oh, year. Stop it. You're not, hey, you've been, hey, Ariel, you've been so now, tough. Since what am I going to do now? <laughs> what am you've I going to do? You've been so tough. I have no idea what you're going to do now. I have no idea. Your protection's gone. I have no idea what you're going to do. You're screwed. You're so screwed. Well, here's the thing, DC. Someone who wants to fight Nathan Diaz next is someone who lost on the fight right before the Diaz fight, and that's Damian Maya. Damian Maya lost to Bilal Muhammad this morning saying, hey, give me my last fight against Nathan Diaz, but it sounds like, you know, as he approaches his mid-40s, he's not going to get that opportunity. Uh, Dana White seemed to think, and that was the last fight of his deal, so, my, you know, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen, let's be honest, but it seemed like they're ready to part ways. It's not like he's getting beaten up. It's not like he's getting outclassed. But the style isn't the most fan friendly. And if I'm being honest, like it's not like Bilal did a lot against him. You still have to respect Damian Maya, but it just seems like at this point the promotion has has uh, passed him by, and there aren't a ton of opportunities for him and a ton of demand to see him fight, which is a bit of a bummer. But at least it's not like the last few, you know, older guy in a potential final fight scenario that we've seen where the guy is getting brutally yeah. knocked out or arm broken. It, just, no, it was it was a classic listen, Damian Maya way to lose a fight, if you if you will. Listen, we ain't having the, you know we ain't having a second line, you know, which is a funeral down in Louisiana. You know, we're not like carrying his corpse out of the octagon like some of these dudes lately. I mean, these guys have been getting destroyed. The older fighters, Damian Maya did what Damian Maya does, right? Which is try to wrestle, try to turn the fight into a grappling match. Won the first round doing that. Wasn't able to secure takedowns as the fight went on. But as you said, Ariel, you can't fight with a singular style anymore in the, in the UFC. I think that showed in the Adesanya fight when he got his back taken by Vittoria, a guy who has a number of submissions on his on his resume. Adesanya just reversed the position. It showed in Davis and Figueredo getting submitted as a jiu-jitsu black belt. You cannot be singular anymore. You have to have all the skills 
And Damian Maya is a specialist. And I don't feel like there's room for specialists in the UFC anymore. I mean, unless you're Ryan Hall, which is crazy because Ryan Hall goes out there and just kind of and submits everybody with the weirdest submissions that I've ever seen. Um, so I guess he's a bit of an um, he's a bit of an, an outlier, but got to have full skill set in order to compete in today's UFC. One of the good guys in the sport is Damian Maya, a class act, a legend, and uh, maybe he goes back to doing some jujitsu events. One of the best ever from that world to come over to the UFC. Never got a chance to win a title, fought for the title twice, once at eighty five, once at seventy. Certainly wish him the best. It was a uh, it was a pleasure and honor to cover his career. Speaking of submissions, DC, what about Jamal Hill and Paul Craig? How does this happen? How does some now we, we find out later that it wasn't broken, the arm wasn't broken, it was dislocated. Fine. Whatever the case is, it was horrible to watch. It was one of the most absurd things that I've ever seen in the UFC. DC, time and again we see this. The UFC goes to a newish market. And what I mean by that is not Nevada or California. They go to a place like a Phoenix, a Glendale, if you will. And the local commission says, hey, buddy, local ref slash judge, here's your opportunity to work at a UFC event. And what do we see more often than not? Them drop the ball. This dude dropped the ball. I don't even want to say his name. I don't want to out him like that. But like, come on, man. The guy's arm say was his daggering. Name, Eric. How say did his you not name, see Eric. that? Say his name, Eric. Ariel, say no, his name, want... Eric. Say his name. Ariel, put him on blast, Eric. I'm not answering until you say his name. Put him on blast, Eric. Well, I have to look it up because I forgot his name. (laughs) I let me look it up. I forgot his name, if I'm being honest. Find his name. This dude needs to be held accountable because Jamal was actually, he was reaching, trying to tap. You could see his arm was breaking. He was actually flailing both arms, trying to tap. And then, even after the arm's broken, the dude didn't stop the fight. How could he not realize that this was going on? It's it's very unfortunate that these guys that are tasked with protecting the fighters can mess up in this way. A lot of people like to be on Herb Dean. A lot of people like to be on, um, uh, I can't remember some of the other names. Uh, there's a guy, Mark. They like to be on Who? Mark. Mark, excuse me, what's Mark's last name? Mark, uh, Goddard. Mark Goddard. And then, Goddard. Uh, there's another, there's a black uh, guy too named Mark. That, yeah, people are on these officials all the time. But these guys are the best in the business. And sometimes they stop them early. Sometimes they might be a little late. But generally, you do not see that. You don't see a guy with his arm dislocated in that way. And the ref is still incapable of pulling the plug and stopping the fight. It's absurd. Say his name, Ariel. Say his name. Okay, his name is Al... Al Guinea, this is a tweet from my good friend Sean Alshadi, who works for MMAfighting.com. He said, Al Guinea is a local Arizona ref. He's not great. Trying to be nice, but I've seen enough regional shows here to confidently say that Sean is from Arizona. He's been to a ton of regional shows. Yet somehow he always gets assignments when the big events come to town. As y'all just saw, maybe not the best idea. So here we go. Local guy gets a shot. And look what happens. I mean, like, it's Jamal Hill's arm. Now, thankfully for him, it's not broken. So if it's dislocated, he should make a full recovery. But this is an undefeated, youngish prospect with his arm just flapping around there. Now, by the way, lost in all this, great win for Paul Craig, massive win for him. And also, Jamal Hill is super tough. I mean, I don't know how he wasn't, like, on the ground just crying in pain with his arm just dangling. But the referee is there to protect these fighters. How do you let that happen, especially when you're actually staring at it, like you're looking at it, and it was going on for seconds. It wasn't a split-second thing like Frank Mir and Tim Sylvia. It was literally dangling there like a, like a wet fish. It was crazy. Yeah, bad. It was bad. But you're right. You're right, Ariel. 
Uh, Paul Craig deserves credit for what he's done. Not only in this fight now, but for the run that he started to put together. The guy looks like he's finally rounding out himself and making his push towards the top of the division. Because Hill had all the confidence and all the momentum on his side. And Craig just truly just mm -hmm. stopped that in its tracks. It was fantastic. Before we get to our next ad read, shout out to Brad Riddell, Eric Anders, Lauren Murphy with a big win, oh. potentially uh, getting a title shot, although I thought it was close and, and maybe even Joanne's fight, unfortunate for her. Mosar Evloev is going to be a tough out. What about Terrence McKinney with the seven-second knockout and then potentially injuring his knee, which would be just absolutely catastrophic. Stephen Peterson with the win. So overall, uh, a fun night in Glendale, and we certainly missed you on the broadcast, DC. Not as much as I'm going to miss you and doing this show, but it is. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. <laughs> hey, and guess what? In okay, all DC. this, don't forget. Yes. Just never forget. Just never forget. Brian Ortega. <laughs> Brian Ortega had a choice. Brian he had Ortega a choice. always had, he had a, a choice. choice. And he, yeah, he made the right choice, Brian Ortega. And Brian Ortega has the fighting spirit, just like our good friends at Modelo. Okay. Which honestly, by the way, DC, which, which, it was, which honestly, by yes, the way, yes, Ariel, yes. which honestly, by the way, is what's holding up my iPad right now, my box of Modelo. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Look I at you, vacation DC I in full effect. I always get in trouble for this. I always get in trouble for this. Old DC, let's not make it seem like you're drinking. Well, guess what? I am drinking Modelos. You know that's what I do when I go on vacation. I may have a couple Modelos. So yes, I like you, Modelo Espacial. Yes, Espacial. That's how I used to say it. Busy <laughs> weekend of MMA DC. As I attempt to steer this ship for one final time, uh, and doing a horrible job at that. Um, not only did we have UFC, your boy Kyle Kutchmer with a big win, your other boy Aaron Pico with a big win, but we do have to talk and shout out to them. We do have to talk about Clarissa Shields because that was the biggest non-UFC story of the week, if I'm being honest. Uh, what a performance. What a bizarre fight in, in the respect that it looked like for a minute she was going to get submitted, finished on the ground, and then she comes back. The Olympian, the Olympic gold medalist two times, comes back and finishes Brittany Elkin. DC, this felt like a big deal. It felt like everyone was talking about her on Thursday. It felt like it broke through the MMA bubble. Huge deal for the PFL, huge deal for her. What did you make of her MMA debut? Winners win. Winners win. And Carissa Shields proved that last weekend. Look, man, her back was up against the wall. But where a lot of people see negative in her performance. A lot of people see, oh, she got taken down. She almost got submitted. What I see is a novice who was able to withstand that. A novice who was able to rely on championship level experience to carry her to a victory. And when she sprawled and started to let her hand, dude, you saw when she let her hands go in the second round? It, her hands were so fast. I could not believe it. So fast. Her opponent just immediately Amazing. shot at her. Her hands were so fast. I mean, her opponent just shot on her right away. But then in the third round, when she sprawled and started landing the ground and pound, I cheered. I was, I was so happy. 
look, maybe I'm guilty of not watching the PFL as often as you do. But I did on Thursday. And I did because Carissa Shields was fighting. And I got to be honest with you. I watch the PFL when Carissa fights or when Kayla Harrison fights. That's telling you that they have to understand where their stars are. Those are the stars in that organization. No knock on Lance Palmer and the rest of the guys, Bubba Jenkins. But I tune in when Carissa fought and when Kayla Harrison fights. And those two women are, are, are dogs, man. And they're going to be, we're going to be talking about them for a long time. Uh, listen, obviously Carissa is a lot further along in her development. And she has a long time before she can get to the top of the sport. But I will tell you right now, it's not for lack of resources and people willing to help Carissa Shields. Everyone's willing to help her. Sure, but here's the thing, DC. If she keeps going back and forth from boxing to MMA, and of course she should stick to boxing, that's where her bread is buttered, that's where she's you know, most talented, is she not doing herself a disservice in the MMA world? Because as you know, boxing isn't the best base. Like if you were a wrestler and you were going back and forth, it's different, but boxing isn't the best base for an MMA fighter. The technique is different, the foot movement is different, all that stuff and more. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like her progress will move in the direction that she wants it to move. She keeps going back and forth. Now, I heard her next competition will be an MMA fight, so that's good. She can focus. But at some point, she's going back to boxing. And I just don't know if she'll be able to fully evolve to the best of her capabilities if she keeps doing the Bo Jackson thing and going back and forth. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she's a supreme athlete. But wouldn't you agree that you know if you're, if you're doing both and considering how different the nuances are in both sports she will not fully evolve the way in which she should in MMA. I mean, we were really trying to get through this show disagreeing the whole time. But then you come around and you say some dumb stuff. I mean, I disagree as fully as I could ever disagree. I mean, this may be the point. This may be the take that I've disagreed with <laughs> more than any take you had during our, the course what of our whole show. What are you talking about? I mean... I, I've never disagreed more. What do you disagree with? You say that what do you disagree show. with? I disagree. So I disagree with this. As long as Caressa Shields is training, she is getting better. Listen, mm. we as MMA fighters, we train just boxing a lot. We train just boxing as boxers. I take the wrestlers at American Kickboxing Academy and make them put on wrestling shoes and getting a wrestling stance in order to prepare to fight mixed martial arts. She has to train boxing. When she trains boxing, she will just continue to tighten up her greatest skill. But in the meantime, when she's doing mixed martial arts, she will do more grappling. She will do more wrestling. She will do more of the kicks. But trust me, she will never get worse for just going back to boxing. I understand what you're saying. Even Nate said it Saturday. He said, for all you boxers, it's much different when somebody's kicking at your legs. I understand that. But she now has a grasp on how she needs to stand in mixed martial arts and how she already knows how to box. So no, she will not struggle going back and forth. I believe that her continuing to improve and staying as sharp as she is in the boxing will only make her game better as she goes on. So yes, I, I completely disagree. And I wish I was next to you. I would push right. Well, uh, that remains to be seen. We'll see. I mean, she had a lot of trouble against Brittany Elkin, who Kayla Harrison thoroughly dominated. You want to make a bet? And uh, I hey, know would you, you like can't to make a you know, reinvent hey, would you yourself. Like to, hey, would you like to make a hey. Would you like What's to make bet? a bet What's with all bet? this new money? With all yeah. this new money you're about to come into? You want to make a bet with all this new What's... money you're about to come into? I mean, 
Ooh, What's the bet? I love What's looking at you right now. You even you even look richer. I mean, you even look richer from the moment you stepped onto the. By street the way, today. you didn't you didn't even I mean, mention look. you didn't mention the fact that I'm wearing the shirt from the original picture. How about the that? Very, How about those details? You didn't very, even mention that's the shirt. Hey, I mean the very, hey, listen, those things matter. I wanted to end the show with that. Like, wow, you're wearing the show for my album cover. You're wearing the show for my album cover. Yes, and you know, I'm very yes. uh, I'm appreciative of that. I'm appreciative. I wore a black shirt. I had on a black sweat top that day. That sweat top just doesn't fit mm. anymore. You know, you're felt, you're slim. <laughs> you can still fit the clothes from four years ago. I can't. You know, but I mean, you look good, my friend. I cannot believe it's ending. I can't believe it's ending. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, this is crazy. How, how about this, DC? It's the best the show. First it's guest the best I ever show booked. on TV. Yep. It is. It is. Um, and this wasn't necessarily the plan, but there you go. There's the first guest that I ever booked on uh, the Ariel Hawani's MMA show in that lovely studio. Look at the lighting, it was fantastic. You were the first guy that I booked. The first event that I covered for ESPN was you versus Stipe One when you won the heavyweight title. And I'll never forget doing the post-fight show and you went up there with the belt and your entire family. The first event that I got to cover at Madison Square Garden, which means the world to me, was you versus Derek Lewis, UFC 230, for the heavyweight title, the first UFC heavyweight title fight at Madison Square Garden. The first Fighter of the Year award that I ever got to give out as a member of ESPN was to you, 2018 Fighter of the Year. On that show, as, as the new era was about to begin, I was there with my tuxedo. The first and only E60 profile that I got to do at ESPN was about you, and I got the opportunity to go to Gilroy and and uh, what a great experience that was to be able to cross that off the bucket list. And then, of course, getting to do this kind of show with you. It's amazing. My whole time at ESPN is intertwined with you. You're the constant presence from beginning to end, my friend. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I've said this story many times about when we met for the first time in person and you asked me to go for lunch and you said, uh, you know, hey, let's go. You're with King Mo in Chicago, Strike Force. You said, let's go for lunch. I said, I don't hang out with fighters. I don't go eat with fighters. I don't fraternize with fighters. And you said, one day, we're going to be friends. And I've said before, since then, of course, since we've done this show, that I consider you a friend. But now, dare I say, some way, somehow, I'd be remiss if I don't call you one of my best friends. If I had a wedding right now, you would be in the wedding. That's how close we become. And so that's why hey. I don't truly feel sad yes. about the end of this show. Because I think we're going to talk in 30 minutes on the phone about God knows what else? So DC and Hawani as a friendship will never end. I consider you one of the, the best friends that I have in my life. I'm so appreciative for what we got to do together. I'm sad that this show is ending, but uh, I, I know down the line we'll get to do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Ariel, man, you have been, honestly, I, I, I've tried this before, but um, doing it with you and the way that we're doing it now is the way that I, I love doing a show. and It's been fantastic. Look, all those things that you listed, it tells me that at all the biggest moments of my career, my guy was there. And, you know, people don't know this, but behind the scenes, a lot of the steps I made over the course of my career, we kind of did them together. And uh, I appreciate our friendship. That won't change. Sucks that the show's ending right now, but we will come back together at some point. We will make everything happen. We'll make things work. And like you said, we'll talk in a half hour. Actually, I got to go to Disneyland, but... One more thing that, that you listing all those things tells me is that you've been incredibly biased over the course of your time over at ESPN. But you know what, man? I love you for it. You really, you have really, 
you're really elevated me, right? You know, we, we privately talked about Ali and Cosell, right? The athlete and the reporter. And I think that you and I have done that to the next level. Um, it's it's, it's going to be hard to, to replicate this or do anything like this for a long time. I'm going to miss you, my friend. I really am. Yeah. And, uh, it's all love over here, my brother. It's all love. Same here. Same here. And, you know, uh, obviously I have to thank you for this. You didn't have to do this show with me. Uh, Lord knows you have enough on your plate. But, of course, I have to thank the production team. I have to thank ESPN for allowing me to uh, live my dream and work for this company. This is essentially the last thing that I will do for ESPN. So it's fitting that it's with you, the guy who I did all those first with. And now I get to do this, uh, this last show with. And most importantly, I do have to thank the fans and even all the messages they've sent us. And I know you've gotten them as well about what this show meant to them during the pandemic and everything like that. I mean, there is no greater yes. compliment that anyone in our position could get than the stuff that they write to us about being that escape and having the smile uh, on their face when they listen and watch us. And, you know, DC, they all say that they're going to miss us. Trust me, I will miss doing this show with you more than they will miss us. But again, not goodbye. Just see you later. I'm I love Robert you like a brother. Thank Pierce, you to the team. You, Thank you to you. Thank you to all the fans. We will do it again some way, somehow, somewhere down the line. I am certain of that. But for now, peace. We're out of here. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.